So this week, a couple of our staff had to go to a meeting, and it was a meeting of, of church folks. You know what church folks are like. And um, we're sitting in this meeting, and one of the things that we noticed over and over again was a discussion about those people. Those people. They're out there. Those, those people. It was not a good thing. It's not a good thing to be one of those people. Um, and there was, there was great concern over those people. And, and then it occurred to me that a lot of those people end up in places like the well. And I'm really thankful uh, about that. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about this from, from James chapter 2, how we deal with those people. Would you pray for me, and, and we'll study this word together. Gracious God, we thank you for this good opportunity. Help us to do something good with it. In your name we pray. Amen. I've often wondered whose face Jesus had in mind when the crowds called out to Pilate to crucify him. Who do you think Jesus was picturing when they were whipping him and beating him? Could he picture the faces of all those beautiful children that he had just recently said, let them come to me? Or was he looking at the faces of those who were blind and who could now see him, those who were crippled and could now walk? I wonder what faces Jesus saw when Simon the Cyrene carried that cross to the hill where Jesus would ultimately die. Did Jesus picture his disciples who, when things got a little bit tough, kind of disappeared on him? And when that cross made it all the way to the hill where Jesus would ultimately be hung, did he only see the face of his beloved disciple and his mother Mary? Did he see those eyes of hate coming at him from from those who could not wait for him to die? He must have seen the faces of the two sinners who were hung on either side of him. But what I really wonder about, what I've always been curious about, is did the Son of God, the Savior, as he gave up his life for a world full of sinners, did he see my face? Often, when when we get down to the brass tacks of trying to think through who Jesus is for, we come to two conclusions. Jesus is for sinners, of which most of us would consider ourselves exempt. And Jesus is against those people, whoever those people are, which we have taken it upon ourselves to define throughout history. By those standards, what happens is that many of us then distance ourselves from the saving grace of Christ because we're pretty confident that we just simply don't need it. In the last few weeks, there's been this major scandal that's come to national attention from a company called Ashley Madison. And if you haven't heard about it, Ashley Madison is a website where you can sign up. You can sign up to have an affair. Let me say that again. You can actually go and sign up to have an affair, which means that if you even found this website to begin with, you were looking, without a doubt, to do something that is wrong. 
And then after the list of users was published, it was determined by one of the Christian media organizations that there would be about 400 pastors across the country resigning from their pulpits this Sunday. I'm not one of those pastors. Do you see, do you see what I just did there? I made sure that we're all clear that I am differentiated from the real sinners. Because, see, I've never considered having, affair, having an affair. Therefore, it never occurred to me to go looking for such a website. And having never looked for such a website, rest assured, I did not sign up for it. But I could have. In fact, you could have. Because, see, sin is very real. And it is a very present temptation. Never let yourself believe that you're too good for sin. And it's truly by the grace of God that we don't always succumb to it. When we recognize how quickly any one of us could fall into sin, we are called to take a huge step back from whatever judgment we might have towards others. And judging others is more than just how we differentiate their sin from our sin. It's how we treat each other in everyday life. When this is addressed in the book of James, the opening illustration is one that is aimed squarely, squarely at the followers of Christ who run a huge risk of turning a blind eye to their own behavior. James writes, My dear friends, don't let public opinion influence how you live out our glorious Christ-originated faith. James is saying, We got this first from Jesus. Don't ever forget that all of us once needed the grace and love of Jesus Christ. We all start from that place. If a man enters your church wearing an expensive suit and a street person wearing rags comes in right after him and you say to the man in the suit, sit here, sir, this is the best seat in the house and either ignore that street person or say, better sit here in the back row. Haven't you segregated God's children and proved that you are the judges that can't be trusted? Now, I want to be fair about this. I have never actually seen this exact scenario play out in any of the churches I've ever served. And mostly I think this is because no one sees it as a place of honor to get to sit in the front row any longer. But, but what we do know is that this exact thing did happen in the days of slavery when people actually paid money to reserve their pew. And the more money you had, the closer to the front you got to be. Right? So maybe what we should say is the more money that you have, the closer to the back you get to sit now. But what happened to the slaves was they were completely excluded and they were put in a whole different section of the church. Let's be honest with ourselves that that's kind of how we still view visitors sometimes. When a man shows up to this church in a polo shirt and khakis and he smells nice, we just assume he's a nice guy, he loves the Lord, come on in. When a man shows up with a worn t-shirt and old jeans and a backpack, everybody starts rushing towards the pastor. One of the first things I noticed when I was a college student here in Florida, going to church for the first time, 18 years old, I'd walk into a church and people tripped over themselves to get to me. They could not wait to see a young person. When an elderly person walked in the door, they were lucky if they got a second glance. We may not realize it, but each day, every day, each of us makes hundreds of judgment calls 
without ever really thinking about what we're doing. James 5 says, listen, dear friends, isn't it clear by now that, that's, that God operates quite differently? He chose the world's down and out as the kingdom's first citizens with full rights and privileges. The kingdom is promised to anyone who loves God. That's important. The kingdom is promised to anyone, anyone who loves God. And here you are abusing these same citizens. Isn't it the high and mighty who exploit you, who use the courts to rob you blind? Aren't they the ones who scorn the new name Christian used in your baptism? When James talks about the down and out and the kingdom's first citizens, we go back to this wonderful story that Jesus told in the Gospel of Luke in Luke 14. Jesus said that there was this man. He was going to have a great banquet, and he invited all of the important people in town, all of, all of the normal people, the socially acceptable people, the ones that don't obviously stand out. And when the time for the banquet arrived, all of them were too busy. They had things they had to do. They could not be bothered with such a thing. So not to be deterred, the man went out and he invited all of the so-called undesirables, the have-nots, the, the noticeably different. Well, they actually showed up. And because they showed up, they were the ones who got to participate in the great feast. When your name is not on the Ashley Madison list, it, it might be easy to assume that you don't need to be at the banquet because you're not that kind of sinner. It is true you, you gossiped about your neighbor. It is true that you ate more food than you needed while others went hungry. It is true that you kept all your money for yourself and gave very little to others. It is true that you silently judged the poor parenting of the young woman at the store, but you, you are no Ashley Madison user. You don't need to be at the banquet because you are too important. And Jesus says, that's fine. That's fine. But my grace is for those who come to me, whether they need a little grace or a lot of grace. Jesus doesn't differentiate the way that we do. Come or don't come. Either you are a sinner or you are a savior. There is no in-between. So since Jesus doesn't differentiate sinners, James, James 2.8 says, You do well when you complete the royal rule of the scriptures. Love others as you love yourself. But if you play up to these so-called important people, you go against the rule and you stand convicted by it. You can't pick and choose in these things, specializing in keeping one or two things in God's law and then ignoring the others. The same God who said don't commit adultery also said don't murder. So if you don't commit adultery, but you go ahead and murder, do you think that your non-adultery cancels out your murder? No, you're still a murderer, period. James just throws it right down there. He just gets in everybody's face. He comes straight at the way that most of us treat others as a sliding scale. That there's a sliding scale as to how we treat others. So let me ask you something. Um, would you ever want to be referred to as a bus kid? Have you ever thought about that being a, a bus kid? That's a new term that I heard this week. Here's the backstory to it. The Manatee County School District now offers free breakfast to every child in the district. Every child, rich, poor, white, black, from Parrish, West Bradenton, Lakewood Ranch, makes no difference. Because the district figured out something important. 
they figured out that every kid needs to eat. Isn't that an amazing thing? Every child needs to eat. So I overheard this conversation the other day between a little boy and his dad, and the little boy was asking his dad if he could eat breakfast in the school cafeteria, and the dad replied, the only kids who eat breakfast in the school cafeteria are bus kids. We don't have to eat that garbage. So it's okay. It's, it's okay for bus kids to eat garbage because what? Because they're poor? Because they're Hispanic? Because they're worthless? What? Who are bus kids? I rode a bus every single day of my school career. If you're going to say such a thing, then you get it out. You just say it, and you be clear about your own pride and your own arrogance. One of the hardest nights of, of my life happened back to school night this year. All the parents are scanning the list of the class assignments. If you haven't been to elementary school in a while, it is a wild and crazy night. And they're looking to see which kids are in their kids' class. And, and I hear another parent. It is a parent who I have known, who I have worked with, who I have seen their family grow up. And I heard them audibly groan when they discovered that my kid was in their kids' class. And then I get to the classroom and I see some other parents, parents that I've known for a long time that I work with, that I regularly see around the school. And they tried, they tried really discreetly to move their child away from my little boy. Well, he didn't notice that. That's, that's one of the blessings of what he's got going on. But I did. And now, and now I'm discovering that there's a whole world of parents who are just like me. Because each week in therapy for him, I meet parents who, who are parents of kids with special needs who go through the same thing on a daily basis. Isn't that exactly what we do with sin? We want to get ourselves as far away as possible from those people. We want to distance ourselves from things like Ashley Madison because we want to be clear that we aren't like those people. But just because you're a non-adulterer doesn't excuse you from murder. Being a non-adulterer doesn't give you a pass from arrogance and pride and greed and selfishness and gossip and hatred and racism. And this one's my favorite. It doesn't give you a pass from apathy. This past week here in the United States, we have been consumed. Massive news for us that Tom Brady, a football player, was found not guilty of deflating footballs. That's what we were doing here in the United States this past week. In the rest of the world, they were watching in horror as millions of refugees tried to escape from the Middle East and West Africa into Europe. And what finally got our attention, what finally was able to compete with Tom Brady's press conferences, was that picture of a Syrian toddler washed up on the shoreline. There is no way that as followers of Jesus Christ, we can sit on the sidelines and say, well, that's those people. For us to turn a blind eye to what is happening halfway across the world is for us to say that they deserve what's happening to them, that, that somehow we're a higher level of Christian than they are. 
One of the many reasons that this is happening is because others have already come along and pronounced their worthlessness, even to the smallest children among us. We cannot believe the depth of man's inhumanity to man, so it's much easier to concern ourselves with whether or not Tom Brady is innocent. I want to show you in basic terms what, Jesus, what James is trying to get at in this passage. So let me tell you a little bit about this clip that we're going to see. It's a clip from a movie that's 25 years old. You, the adults, will recognize it immediately. Take a look at this. I'm just checking things out. Are you looking for something in particular? No, well, yeah. Uh, something conservative. Yes. You got my stuff. Thank you. How much is this? I don't think this would fit you. Well, I didn't ask if it would fit. I asked how much it was. How much is this, Marie? It's very expensive. It's very expensive. Look, I got money to spend in here. I don't think we have anything for you. You're obviously in the wrong place. Please leave. think about this. I mean, really think about this. The Lord's house is not an exclusive clothing store on Rodeo Drive. And we are not employees, but we do work on a commission. We have a great commission to go out into the world and to share the good news of the gospel with all nations. All nations, no exceptions. James 2.12 says, Talk and act like a person expecting to be judged by the rule that sets us free. For if you refuse to act kindly, you can hardly expect to be treated kindly. Kind mercy wins over harsh judgment every time. You can take that to the bank. So whose face did Jesus have in mind when he went to the cross? Was it mine? Was it that little boy 
on the shoreline? Was it the prostitute, the Ashley Madison users, the bus kids? Was it yours? If we really believe that the answer is all of us, then shouldn't we be treating everyone we meet as though they are precious in God's sight? For indeed, they are. Let us pray. Lord God, we confess that we are ever so quick to judge. We make assumptions. We look at people in the way they dress, and we assume that they are worthless. Where they live makes them nothing. What they do is unacceptable. But yet we forget that we once stood in the need of grace too. Help us to not take that for granted. Remind us that we will always be sinners in need of the grace of God. So does everyone else around us. As we come to the table this day, fill us with your hope and your mercy. Equip us to go out into the world to be those bearers of the grace that we have once received. In your name we pray. Amen.